0: Renowned speaker, anointed by the Lord this morning. He's preached through the UK from Rotherham down to Cambridge. So, would you welcome this morning, Philip Shaw, as he brings the word of the Lord to us? That's the best welcome I've ever received. Amen. Isn't it awesome to be in God's presence this morning? Amen. We thank you for the worship this morning, it was awesome. You know, last weekend, I don't know who was here, put your hands up if you were here in the service, good. We had an awesome time, didn't we? God began to move and His presence was felt. And you know, this morning I just sensed that God is going to do something awesome today again. We've got to be expectant for God to move. It's difficult sometimes, we're always tired and we come in on a, on a weekend and I'm tired, I've had a busy week. But sometimes we kind of think to ourselves, you know, we'll just come and do the church thing. But I want to tell you this morning, I really do believe God is going to do some awesome things here today. I don't just say the words, but I believe it in my heart. Amen. Hallelujah. What I want to share with you today, I just want to welcome, I think we're already going live, aren't we, to the, to the internet? just want to welcome the people on the internet. But what I want to share with you this morning... Is something that I believe God really wants to say to His church this week. Well, I think it was on th- Thursday night when the worship team met. Just after we uh, we met together, Tim came up to me and he said he asked about Peter in Malta, and he said, "Have you got something to speak about? Get ready to preach on Sunday." And all of a sudden, I'd not thought about it. I'd been that busy through the week. All of a sudden, I thought, "Wow, actually, I'm going to have to prepare something because this actually is quite serious." So I got home that evening and I said to Emma when I walked in, I said, Tim said tonight, I said, let's look at the news. It sounds quite serious, This. it looks like I'm going to have to prepare something. You know, sometimes I prepare over quite a while and I get things together. But sometimes God calls us, doesn't he, the last minute to speak. So that night, literally on the Thursday night, I got into into bed and Emma went to sleep next to me and I sat up with a lamp on and just read. And I asked God, I said, God, it's a few days away and I'm very busy. I want you to show me something, what you want to say to the church. Not what I want to say, but what you want to say. So I sat there and I was just reading my Bible. The first thing God spoke to me, he said, I want you to preach on this passage and on these these points. The first thing he said to me, what I'm about to give today. What I want to share with you is this. The next day, on the Friday morning, I went to work that day and I emailed Peter. And I said, Pete, I'm not sure what's happening out in Malta. Sounds like you're having a good time in the sun, but I'm not sure what's happening. But do you need me to speak at all? Because I can prepare something if need be. And Peter sent me this long email back. I'm not sure if he wrote it on his iPhone. It must have took a long time if he did. But he sent me this long email back and he said, it looks like we're going to have to be delayed, not sure when we're going to get back. But yes, please do prepare. As soon as he said that, my heart dropped, thought, oh, here we go. But he said, please do prepare something. And as he said those words, I looked right at the bottom of the email and he said, if you want to, I've already, God has impressed upon my heart what to speak on this Sunday. And I want, if you want to, you can use what I was going to preach. And as I read the bottom, the exact thing that God has shown me the night before was at the bottom of the email. Amen. How many people know that when, even when there's volcanic eruptions, even when there's disruptions, if God wants to speak, He will speak. Amen? How many people know that if He wants to do something, it says when His Word is released, He will do it. So it's not about us, and it just showed me, it's not about what I've got to say, but it's about what He wants to say. Amen? So I believe this morning God's Spirit is here, God is going to do some awesome things, and we're going to see Him move. This morning I want to talk about, the title of my message is this, Recognizing Revival. Recognizing Revival. If you turn to your Bibles please to Mark 2. Mark 2 verses 1. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray that your spirit will come. Father, I pray that you'll speak to us this morning. We're hungry to hear your word, not ours. So, Father, I ask this morning that you would speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 2. This is a famous story. Many people have heard the story about the paralytic. Jesus healing the paralytic. He says this, A few days later, When Jesus again entered Capernaum, that's his hometown, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say to the man, get up and take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. What I want to speak about this morning, I believe that this little story about the paralytic gives us some good indications of what happens when God starts to move. Amen? Many people say, you hear them talk about revival. We've heard the term. If you've never heard the term, it's something that's actually not mentioned in the Bible. But yet it's something, as usual, man makes up and we add the words and we say, this is something spiritual. And a revival... When you've heard about it on TV, you turn on God Channel and you might have heard of revivals in the past. Things that have happened recently where God is moving in this part of the world or the other. The thing with revival is sometimes it actually gets a bad name. Because we see revivals come and we see them go. Sometimes things bad happen in revivals where people are exposed to things that... It brings out the reality in people sometimes. Because they're exposed. But the truth is this, that a revival actually means this, that it is a season of God that will come to the church or a locality to restore people and to restore a desire for spiritual spiritual things. And almost, we all know the scripture that says that God reminds us sometimes of our first love. How many of us have been Christians for a long time and sometimes we forget our first love? We forget how good it was when we first became Christians. And we try to live the life of a Christian, we try to enjoy it, but sometimes we, we sometimes look back and say the good old days, the day that I got saved, the day that joy filled my soul. And sometimes God in revivals wants to bring us back to that place where we remember our first love. He restores to us the joy of our salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say that what I think is happening at the moment in this church, at this time, we're not in the midst of some major revival. But I believe that we are seeing a move of God. You might not believe that. You might say, well, I've seen things like this before. I've seen better things than this. On TV, on God TV. Or I travelled to the other side of the world and I saw bigger and better things. That might be true. But still... Today, I think in this church we're experiencing a move of God. And this can build and build so much so that you will see things that you have never seen before. I think that what we're seeing now is a result of the prayer and fasting of the hunger of this church. You see, God responds to that. Many of you probably visit the church probably don't know that we try to encourage prayer and fasting. We try to encourage people to be hungry for God. Not just to attend church, but to be church and to be hungry for God. To chase after God. And what we've been seeing over the last months is as we pray at prayer and fasting and weeks of each night, coming here in this very room, praying and seeking God. At the result of that, we began to see God move. On, on Mother's Day, I wasn't here, but on Mother's Day, I heard that six people came out to the front and were healed immediately. I know Tim was here, because I think Helen got healed. But six people got healed, and since that week, each week, things have began to happen. Now, we can either just say, this is good, and move on. Or we can say, we, we want to run with this, we welcome it, God. And what I want to speak about this morning is recognising revival, recognising when God is moving in our midst and we want to be part of it. Number one this morning I want to mention is revivals capture a crowd. He says in this story that people came from many places all around. Luke says this of the same story. People came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, everywhere. They travelled to see what God was doing. And when Jesus was in this room, it says there were that many people that it filled the whole place that people were outside the doors, wanting to get in. When was the last time you came to King's Church, apart from the car park being a bit of a nightmare, and it was difficult to get in the building because people were queued outside there? I long for the day. That we don't have to wait for people to come in the door. But they're queuing outside. And it can happen. It doesn't matter where we are, what church we are, what type of music we have. God, if He wants to move, we'll move. The people heard that Jesus had come home. He'd just come over the lake, back to Capernaum. They'd heard He'd come home. And they wanted to be where He was. They wanted to see things that they'd never seen before. Because they'd heard the stories. So they went and gathered around the house. And they, they, they were hungry. These were people that were hungry for God, weren't they? You know, quite a few years back now, we at King's Church, or it used to be Living Waters, we decided, I might have mentioned this story before, we decided to have um, meetings on a Sunday night We've tried many things to get people to come. But on Sunday nights we tried in the centre of Cambridge to have meetings in a place called Henry Martin Hall. Many of you might know it. it's right in the centre of town. And when we had these meetings we used to meet upstairs and we used to take, I used to take the drums and everything down. On a Sunday night it wasn't just about a matter of attending the meetings. We used to get the stuff and drive down into Cambridge, park up and walk through with all the drums and get everything in to set up a meeting to be in the heart of Cambridge. And we used to pull out this little Calagas fire, everyone knows the little heaters that you get, because it was cold in there on winter evenings. And we made some graphics, we made little leaflets and advertising across the city for a thing called Revival in the City. Now, to be truthful, looking back on it now, we titled this event Revival in the City. But it wasn't necessarily a revival that was happening. We wanted to bring people in. We wanted to attract people. And I'll never forget that there was a few of us just sat in a little circle. And a couple walked in at the back. And and as they walked in, they said, are we in the right place? I said, where have you come from? They said, Bishop Stortford. And I said, what are you here for? She said, we're here for revival in the cities. Is this it? As we were huddled around a little fire and i thought to myself the moment they said this i thought i felt so sorry that they travelled because what we'd done is we thought of programs of trying to bring people in believing that we could see revival let me say that until we see a move of god we can't say that there's a move of god you have to you have to be seeing it first you can't make up programs god is bigger than programs far far bigger what we're experiencing now me preaching today when i didn't even expect it it's God, isn't it? It's God. When He wants to do something, He'll do it. So we, we today are seeing revival. So let me say is what we're seeing now, we can't just attract crowds by programs, but we can attract crowds by reality and truth. This is real. Oh, Amen. The hungry people will be there. In any place where God is moving, you'll see the hungry. You'll see them there. They'll be, they'll be queuing outside. And it says this, some men came, and because they couldn't get through the door, they made a hole in the roof. Let me tell you this, if someone just, if this room was full, and someone began to take a hole out of this roof and lower someone in, if I, if I started to see the sawdust drop, as someone began to put a saw through this, this roof, Typically us, we would be, especially the British, we'd be, no, no, not the roof. Be careful. How, you don't even realise how long it took to paint this. We've had it brown for years. Don't spoil it now. But we would be shocked. But how amazing it must have been that day when they were gathered in that room and four men climbed the roof because they couldn't get in. Because they believed that God could heal. They believed that God could do something. They believed that Jesus would touch their friend who was on the mat as they lowered him through. They believed that God would touch him and he would be raised from his paralysis. How awesome it must have been. I would let them take the whole roof off for that kind of faith. Amen. And Jesus, as he looked up, he saw the crowd already with faith. He must have looked up and thought, that is real faith. They believe me. They believe that I can heal this man. Amen? And in the midst of a move of God, we've got to be hungry like that. We've heard stories. They heard stories from the other side of the lake. People that have been saying, Jesus is doing this. He's coming home now. He's sailing over the lake. He's coming back to his hometown. Get ready. He's going to be in that house Get ready. Go down and see him because you're going to see something you've never seen before. That was a complete sellout. If the tickets would have been there, you wouldn't have been able to get one. Talk about Michael Jackson concerts. The sellout. You would not have been able to get a ticket for that room. You'd have had to take the roof off. I'm not sure they'd have appreciated the roof off the O2. But you'd have had to take the roof off. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. This is the word of God. Those who are hungry will be filled. When Jesus saw the people, the feeding of the 5,000, when he saw thousands of people hungry, following him, as he preached the good news, what did it say about it? He said he had compassion on them. We need to feed these people because they're so hungry. They don't care about food. They don't care about putting the roast in on a Sunday. They are following me despite their hunger. They're following me. We need to feed them. They will be filled. When you are hungry for Jesus, when you are hungry to see him move, you won't care about putting the roast in. There's nothing wrong with balancing our lives and an organization. But sometimes we have to remember that some things are more important. And we've seen that fasting and praying has shown results and fruit. And I encourage you this morning if you've not tried it, if you've not fasted and prayed, then do it. Have a go, even if it's one day, even if it's one hour. Try it. Because when God sees real hunger, it's amazing what he does. I mentioned last week that throughout this last four weeks now, I have been free from a pain and a tiredness that has plagued me for a few years. And I can't say that no one ever came up to me and put their hands and prayed that I'd be healed. But I I believe this, that when we don't just need people to lay hands. People can be getting healed right now in this room. If you've got problems, I don't need to just necessarily have to lay my hands. Nothing special about me. Nothing special about anyone. We're vessels made of clay. But I believe that God will begin to touch people. Not just healing. He's going to touch people today. In an awesome way. And in fasting and prayer, we can show that hunger. We can show God we really are hungry. We want you. One thing I, I, I will admit to you, and I'll be truthful... I always like to be truthful in reality because we're we're all real people. I never used to fast that much. Until I saw Peter and Jane, they used to encourage and say, this is what we do. And I never used to do it that much. It's one of them things, as we all do, we want to push aside. It's, It's not so exciting. I like my food too much. But when I started this life, it's almost like a lifestyle of doing it, I realized that it is awesome. Because when you're so hungry and you're putting your trust in God, when you get to Sunday and you walk in here, that is when you think, God is going to do something. Because I know I'm so hungry to see it and expectant, expectant. He wants expectant hearts. So I encourage you this morning. That's the lifestyle we want to see in a revival. When we recognize it, we need to be seeing hungry people here. Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there is your heart as well. Where your treasure is, there is your heart as well. You, each one of you this morning, knows deep in your heart your real treasure. Sometimes it wavers. One week it's one treasure, the next it's another. I sometimes have my treasures that outweigh God, and I admit that as well. And we have to bring it back to God. Because God challenges and says, put me first. And the revival in a church is going to require us to have a closer relationship with God. We need to be so close in our times of prayer. We all need it, don't we? We need to give more time to Him. And when we do, when we come, the Word of God says this it's not about who's on this platform speaking, it's not about who's doing the worship. The Word of God says this, that everyone who comes to a meeting has something to bring. Isn't that awesome? We prayed, the last prayer and fasting we had, we prayed about the unity, not just in denominations, but the unity amongst us as a fellowship. I pray that through this revival we'll be more unified together, like a family. Because in that we will see a strength. We'll see such a strength in the body of Christ. We shouldn't be like scattered sheep. But we should be together. Amen. God is calling us this morning. Back to our priorities. We sung a a song on um, Thursday night when we did the worship. And it was before I even prepared this. But the words were just amazing. Tim brought it quite a while back. Everything. Lord, you are everything to me. You're my treasure And my priority. Who can compare to you? Who can compare to you? Let me ask this morning. What is your treasure that you're comparing with God? What is it this morning that you can't wait to get back to? What is it this morning that you are so eager to get back to rather than spending time with God? What is it this morning that challenges you in this time of the move of God that would take you away from the desire to seek after Him and to see Him move? We all have them. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. Bring your heart back to God. Back to your first love. The parable we all know is the seed that fell on the ground. And one of the last things in the parable says this one of the seed that fell amongst thorns. And it says about this one, the seed that fell, it says, They heard the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things came in and choked the word, making it unfruitful. Sometimes we read this parable, I think, and we think that's about people who need to receive the word for the first time. They're just getting saved. Is the seed going to plant? Are they going to be fruitful? This is about us, friends. This is about us as well. Every time we're in the midst of God, every time we receive the word each week to encourage to build, where is it landing in our hearts? Does it land on a thorny heart? Because the worries of this world have took your heart more than God. That it just bounces away. And I want to encourage you this morning that in a time of a move of God, We need to be hungry for that word to be applied, for the seed to fall on good ground. And for good ground, we need to get our priorities right. Amen? The psalmist, he made the right decision. He said this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, there's nothing wrong with dwelling in the tents of the wicked. When we become Christians, it doesn't mean we depart ourselves from the world and we never speak to them. We have to be careful we don't let ourselves get lured in by the world. But didn't Jesus drink with the sinners and the prostitutes? But we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we don't get sucked in. And want to spend time with the world and not in God's house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Than a thousand doing the things that I want to do selfish things, things with my mates, things that I want to do to build my life the way I want to build it. Better is one day in here, in His presence, in worship. Than a thousand days of the rest of your life. If you could have a thousand. Better is one day here. I know where I'd rather be. I know where I'd rather be. When people tell me about going out drinking. When people tell me about doing all the things that they do. When I go to work. I know where I'd rather be. I know where I'd rather spend my weekend. In here. Worshipping Him. And I can say that this morning because I've experienced it myself. Many of you don't even know the stories, if I could tell you. Not even the ones listening on the internet who might listen to this in the future who know me would, would be able to, if I told you the stories, know about them of what I used to do before I became a Christian. I used to spend time smoking drugs in cars. Taking drugs in nightclubs. Drinking. I've seen the world. I've seen it. There's times when I thought, I'm playing with my own life. Scary times. Let me tell you that. Scary times. I used to sit with friends in a car in the moors. And the car would be full of smoke. would be drink and drugs. We would do that each night, just to get a buzz. Just to see you could go that little bit further. But let me tell you today, there's no better place. Better, better is one day in His courts, in His presence, than a thousand elsewhere. And when Jesus touches you, let me tell you this morning, if you're struggling with things like that, if you desire for the world in any way, God is going to touch you this morning. He wants to set people free from desires. He wants to bring them back to his first love. If you don't know Jesus this morning, there's going to be an opportunity for you to have Jesus as your own personal saviour. To feel and, and, and experience that which, which I felt. It's nothing man can do for you, but what Jesus can do. In the midst of a revival, when the people come, it says there will be doubters there. The Pharisees, they said, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that, speaking about Jesus? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Some people won't accept what happens in the midst of the move of God. Manifestations, things that when God does things different. These people said, we have never seen anything like this before. Let me tell you, you cannot... Write down and create a picture. You see, you go down to to the bookstores, Christian bookshops. You see plans for how the the world is going to end. Drawings of the timelines of revelation. None of us know. None of us really know what's going to happen. But we do put our trust in Him who does know. And let me tell you, it's the same with revival. Each church, when we think about revivals, each church is unique. unique. And God has a reason for every season. We've heard that many times. He has a reason for every season. With the season we're in, this church's move of God is far different than another church. Because He has different things to do. We're different people. So don't expect that you think, well, this move is going to look like this. In the, in the prayer meetings the other week, we felt God speak to us and show us what He was going to do with this move. And how he was going to minister the move in the city. And it wasn't going to be something that was going to be resting in this place. We said it last week, but it was going to be something that each one of you in this room would carry and take. Carrying his presence. How many of you this morning would love to the next person you pray for in your workplace to see them instantly healed in front of you? We need to be hungry. Then you'll see these things. Number two this morning, revivals are a place of power. Revivals are a place of power. In Luke 5 verse 17, speaking of the same story of what we've read this morning. He says this, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. The power of the Lord was present for him, Jesus, to heal the sick. Basically it says this, Jesus recognized that there was a power there to heal the sick. And sometimes we've got to understand this. People get the wrong idea. They think that when revival comes, all of a sudden, there's an anointing here that there is, all of a sudden we've got the ability to see miracles take place and healings take place. They are there all the time. God's power, when He lives in you, is there all the time. But in revival or in a move of God in the church, what happens is this. You become more aware of His presence. You become more aware of the power that's available. You see, if Jesus died on the cross, the power is there for you today. No matter what revival you're in. But he will make us more aware. You will start to sense and feel his power probably more than you have done before. As he draws close to us. And in that time, as he said here, the power of God was present to heal the sick. And it comes through faith. Last week when the people came and people were getting healed in here, it was awesome to see the young girl come out and she said, Florence, and she said that she'd had some injury or hit her eye. And there was pain in her eyes. She said after, she says, Well, it's unbelievable, it's gone, totally gone. She'd hit her head on some dashboard in a car in some accident. But the reason why that God moves in these times is because the faith is strong. When your faith is strong, God will touch people. The faith in that room must have been awesome. As people uh, were gathering around and they saw the man be lowered. We'll see the sick healed and miracles occur. The difference between a healing and a miracle is this. Sometimes we get them both mixed up. But we're going to see healings. But if we want to see miracles, miracles are things that you would never imagine to see. The impossible. If you were to say to me now, this is impossible. I can understand that somebody can get healed of something. They can see something restore or um, they can see a back pain go. But when you see someone whose leg grows, when you see someone who is raised from the dead, Isn't that a miracle? It's things that you would never even imagine to happen. And we should see these things if we press it. We're not just some small church who only sees little things. We're a church who can see big things. We're the same as anyone. I don't care how big a church there is in the world that we could go to now and visit. That we could say that is such an awesome place. There is thousands of people there. Therefore they will see the best. That's not true. Wherever you are, God's presence is available and He's, he's going to come today. Amen. Revivals are a place of power. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God. Amen. Expect the unexpected, friends, this morning. Expect The unexpected. Don't think that you know what's going to happen. If you expect the unexpected, you will be surprised. And there's nothing better than a surprise. Amen? When God does His thing, He's in the driving seat. Not us. The first public miracle, we all know, what Jesus did. He turned water into wine. How many of you know today, in today's church, if people began to turn their water machines into wine machines, wouldn't it cause a bit of controversy? If the pastors began to spend time going and speaking to the prostitutes in the tents of the wicked, it sometimes causes controversy. And what he did on this first public miracle, he got water and changed it to wine. Controversial thing. For the first thing that they saw as a public miracle, but these were things that people didn't expect to see. There's a story once, how many people know Smith Wigglesworth? He keeps popping up on this thing behind us. Smith Wigglesworth was a, a mighty man of God. And many years ago, Smith Wigglesworth came from up, I believe it's Bradford area. And he was a, an illiterate plumber. That was his trade. That's what he did. Couldn't read. And he was a plumber. And it says in one, there's, you read, you look on Google, or you get the books of Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, and you'll see unbelievable stories through a man that was an ordinary man, just like you and me. Awesome stories of where God moved through his faith. There was one story that tells tells you about this. Look it up and read it. It talks about this. It says that one day Smith Wigglesworth was picked up by a man. To be took to a place to preach. Up north, every time I go to the A1, you go through a bit on the A1 motorway called Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood Bay uh, territory bit. Um, people might know it. But when you drive up there, he was driving through that area, and the the guy who was driving Smith Wigglesworth to to help take him to the place to preach, his car broke down. It was a time in the war when rations on petrol were low. And they only had so much petrol they could have. And, e- and in each locality where they had petrol, they had to colour code the petrol. The, colour was a diff- the petrol was a different colour. So that if anyone ever stopped them, like the police or whoever, would know if they were using other people's petrol in the black market. And this guy's petrol ran out on the way to this preaching engagement as he took Smith Wigglesworth. It fully ran out because he was rationing and he had a little bit of petrol. And as he got out of the car, and he, he couldn't start the car because it had fully gone, fully run out, Smith Wigglesworth said this to him, put water in, put water into the tank. And this guy thought, if I do that, that's going to totally ruin the engine. How many of you know, if, even if you put petrol into a diesel engine or whatever, you're going to ruin your engine. He said, put water in it. He had faith to, to believe. And how awesome it was when that car started. And they got to the police. And the most amazing thing was this, that the colour of the petrol in there was the colour right for for that region and area. And it was all legal. Amen. You think that turning water into wine can't happen today, things like that, when you really do believe. How many of us would believe if we broke down in the middle of the forest? That if we just stuck some water in our new BMW 5 Series, how many of you would pour your bottle of Vittel Into the back. Not many of us, but today I I encourage you. As I read that story about Smith Wigglesworth, I thought, how awesome it is to have that kind of faith. To believe that we can see turning water into wine miracles. Jesus said, you will do greater things than me. How awesome is that? He says, you do greater things than I. And the only reason he wants to see these things is so that people will see him for who he is. It's all about him. God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. In a revival like this, he will choose people like us who are foolish. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27. I know I'm foolish anyway. We said this, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many of you were influential people and not many of you were noble at birth but god chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise god chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong he is choosing us people he's choosing people like us who've got nothing Special about us, just ordinary people. Each one of you is a potential Smith Wigglesworth in this time, in this hour. And I encourage you this morning to press into it. My third point, final point this morning is this revivals. And this, my friends, this morning is, I believe, the most important thing. We can have power. We can have all these great things. We can have crowds of people coming, hearing about us, driving from places, and this time no Calagasita. We're going to see more than that, aren't we? But we can have all these things, crowds of people coming saying, we've heard about what's happening in your church. We've heard about the power. We've heard about the healing, the growth disappearing. We've heard about these things. We want to see it. But let me tell you this, the third thing... This morning, I want to mention, is the most important of them all. Revivals seek sinners. Revivals seek sinners. The whole purpose for what Jesus wants to do in our land today, when we see miracles, when we see healings, is to show that He is our Saviour. That He died on a cross for you and for me. He shed His precious blood for you and for me. A move of God is for unbelievers as well as us. Just note this. The awesome thing about that passage we read earlier is this. When Jesus saw their faith as they lowered the man. Why were they lowering that man? They were lowering him because he was paralyzed. Because their friend, who they must have loved so much... That they knew that he couldn't walk or, or whatever, move any part, some part of his body. He was paralyzed. That they were so desperate. And the guy was so desperate to be lowered in. For Jesus to touch him. For a healing to take place. That when the ropes got lowered and the, the mat came down and Jesus went up to him. Don't you think the first thing that they would have hoped he said was, You are healed in Jesus' name. But what does he say to him This. When he saw their faith, Son, speaking to the guy on the mat, Son, your sins are forgiven. Before he could even offer or say to him, You're healed. The first thing that's on Jesus' mind is this. In your faith, to believe that I can touch you and heal your body, your physical body, Let me tell you what's more important. That your sins are forgiven. That you are set free. Not from paralysis in your body. But you are set free in your heart and your soul. It was his primary message. I don't care about whether I can heal, but I'm going to tell you, your sins are forgiven. Sorry. Your sins are forgiven. How many people have done this when, I I know I have, I've been on the phone to telephone companies, banks. And you've been on the phone for absolutely ages, desperate for something. Pressing all the buttons and the numbers. Press number four for this. And you think, can I just speak to someone? You know what you want. you spent 30 minutes on the phone. You know what you're going to ask them. And you keep getting the music coming on and then another set of choices. And then he gets right to the end and the person answers the phone and they say this. Before we carry on, before we talk to you, we want to just tell you, you are eligible for this offer. You can have this if you want, a free broadband or free... And we think, I've just spent 30 minutes waiting on the phone for you to tell me about something that I didn't think I needed. I want to tell you about what I need. I'll tell you what I do. When the people ring me, double glazing salesmen, or anyone ever phones me, I shouldn't really talk about double glazing salesmen. I spent three months dealing with them. But when I speak to people on the phone, if they ever phone me to sell me something, I try to have a laugh back and I try to sell them something back. I try to talk to them about something. And they always end up putting the phone down. But these people will phone and they try to offer you things before you even spoke to them. And this is different to Jesus, but what I'm trying to say is that the simple message in this is, this guy was lowered because he wanted to be healed of his paralysis. He didn't think there was anything wrong, probably. He didn't know his sins needed to be forgiven. But Jesus saw something different, didn't he? He said, I'll heal you, but let me tell you, first of all, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to offer you something you didn't think you even needed. The Word of God says this, he said, But that you may know, this is the reason he healed the man, he said, But that you may know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up and get your mat and walk on. Jesus' purpose this morning is not for show. He's not in for a show um, to be put on. That's not what a revival or a move of God's about. He has come to seek and save those who are lost. That's what the word of God says. The very purpose of Jesus was to come to seek and save those who are lost. Speaking of Jesus' miracles, in the book of John it said this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book of the Bible. But these were written, the miracles were written about, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you have faith, uh, you have life in His name. The reason He did the miracles, the reason He went about doing good, was for one reason only, to show the people, if you can have faith, that you can see the the body being healed, let me tell you, I've come for something far, far bigger than that. Don't you realize you're sick in your souls, your spirit? You need me. And I want to say this morning that in a time of a move of God, a revival, we will see the soul saved. We have to see souls saved. These things that I talk about this morning the things we should be seeing. Sometimes we can have revivals and things happening, people falling down. If people don't change, if people are not saved, then what use is it? There needs to be fruit. There needs to be fruit. I don't want there to be people falling down and people being touched if they're not going to get up from the ground and go and do something. What's the point? We're not in it for a show. We don't want that. We want truth and reality. Jesus chose 12 people that impacted and set off something that today, thousands of years on, were sat in this very room because of that. Because they impacted the world. Twelve people. I'd rather have a few people impacting rather than thousands. Singing the songs. And not really believing them. It's His purpose for coming to earth. And any purpose in any revival is that the real purpose is to see salvation. To see souls saved. To see the kingdom of God multiplied. The biggest disease we all struggle with this morning is sin. The biggest problem that each one of us in this room are dealing with each day is sin. It's why he came. Sometimes you might not think you're a sinner, but in this time of the move of God, God is coming to reach to the people who are sick. He's coming to reach to the people who are sick. Jesus said this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He said, which is more difficult, to heal this man of his paralysis, or to forgive sins to the Pharisees? They were so shocked. So he heals the man. And the guy was paralyzed, but he got up, took his mat, and walked home. I want to ask you this morning. I believe in a minute we're going to close we're going to bring the meeting to a close. I believe God is going to do something. But I want the worship team to get, to get ready in just a few minutes. But I believe that that man who was lying on that mat, who was paralyzed. In this story, I believe that what God wants to do for some of us today is some of us have been, become paralyzed by sin. You might say, I'm a Christian. I am saved. I have got saved on such and such a date. And I know I'm saved. That's that's true. But let me tell you this: Jesus said this that you you're going to fight each day a battle. You're fighting with your flesh. And sometimes some of us we give into the flesh and we let things take hold of us, the priorities in life. And I believe God this morning wants to set some people free. I believe He wants to take off some chains that have been troubling some people for quite a while. Just like that guy was paralysed on the mat. the biggest problem he has was paralysis of his heart. But Jesus set him free. The news this week when the volcano erupted, I read the Daily Mail and it said on the front, somebody had the Daily Mail and it said on the front, um, volcano causes paralysis. Many if you see that you looked across all the airports and they were to a standstill. One small, in, in effect at the size of the earth, one small cloud travelling could cause so much disruption and bring everything to a standstill. And let me tell you, it's like that for you this morning. That just like that guy, you can be paralysed with little things that you've begun to let into your life again. Sins that you wouldn't even want to share with anyone are taking you away from your first love. You can act like a Christian, but you know deep down in your heart this morning that you really need to say, God, set me free. I want, to be, I want to be used by you. I want to be like the Smith Wigglesworth. I want to be like the one who believes that you can do things and not just speak about it. And I believe this morning that not only is God going to move and touch people's bodies, but He's going to touch people's hearts this morning. And He's going to set some people free He's not gonna, I'm not saying He's going to save you again. He's going to set you free. Hebrews 12 says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want to ask you this morning, what's your mat? The mat that that guy had, he carried away. What is the mat that you've been carry, had around with you, attached to you, that has brought you down to your bed, that has brought you to a standstill? in your Christian life you might have said I've had gifts that have been operating in my life that now are not used let me tell you this, God never takes the gift back from you if you had gifts to do certain things if you once prophesied and you once did things God never takes a gift if I give a gift to my son the last thing I ever want to do is take it back off of him only if he's hitting something with it but he never takes things from us The thing that stops you from using the gifts that God gave to you at one time is this fear. The paralysis that has come in because of your fear of confidence to use it because you want to hide from God. When Adam and Eve ran, they hid from Him. And I want to challenge you this morning. What is it this morning that is the cloud, just like the volcano cloud, it is so small, but has such, such an impact to, to bring a paralysis on your heart. You know, the most awesome thing about it is as well, is that we see in this story that when he, had, when he had the mat and he got up, one thing he did do is this. He got up and walked and went. And let me tell you this, in the midst of the move of God, it's not about us just hanging about, having a good time, but about going out and doing something. The mat was under his arm. It was no longer the thing that was underneath his body that was not enabling him to walk, but he he was able to walk out of that building with the mat. Let me tell you this, when God starts to do things in here, when you start to feel his presence, it's not about you just coming here just to be filled, but you need to release it and go out. We're going to see a release in in this city, in our workplaces. Let the people know what's happening. I encourage you, in this hour, to bring your friends. If you know someone who is sick, if you know someone who has got problems, and if you think it's too impossible for this for this small move of God, let me remind you, it's not. You can bring in anyone you want, and we will pray for them. Hallelujah.